Good morning, everyone, and welcome to episode 13 of the Retrospectives podcast. My name is Patrick Arthur, and I'm joined by my co-host, James Sterlings. How are you going this fine day, James? Yeah, pretty good, Pat. Um, I've been playing a lot of Bloodstained Ritual of the Night recently. Um, You know, when we did Castlevania a few months ago, I absolutely loved that game. So being able to play a, a successor is, you know, a lot of fun for me. Yeah, I also picked up the game um, and it's kind of weird because it's almost a clone of it. It's uh, it's so similar in so many ways. Uh, it has evolved on some concepts, but really you could call it Castlevania Symphony of the Night 2 and it wouldn't be too inaccurate. I mean, I agree and I'm not complaining one bit to be honest. I have plenty of minor complaints and most of my complaints are that I think that they didn't fix some issues in the way Hollow Knight did, which uh, which is a far better game than uh, than this. But uh, I know I know you're not too hot on Hollow Knight. That's okay. It's not as good. The lack of RPG elements really uh, doesn't sell me. But we're not here to talk about Hollow Knight or Castlevania or Bloodstained. We're here to talk about a very special game to Patrick, um, and I'll let you introduce that. We're uh, playing the original Max Payne. Max Payne is a game I played um, when I was a kid. Uh, it was released in 2001 for the PC first, which also surprised me, and was later ported to PlayStation and Xbox, etc. the next year in 2002. And uh, I remember playing this when I was very young and being pretty shocked by the gruesomeness of the tale. But I loved it as a kid. I, I, played, I played through it twice. And so uh, we've decided to revisit it um, once again, nearly 20 years on to see if it holds up today. Here on the Retrospectives podcast, that's the name of the game. We uh, play these old games and see if they have stood the test of time and if they're worth your time to play, you know, in amongst all the modern new releases, new films, new Netflix series. Do you want to go and play one of these old classic games and how does it stand up when you assess it alongside modern titles? What about you, James? Had you ever heard of uh, Max Payne? Yeah, my uh, roommates actually play through it a couple times a year um, because they like it so much. And I've always meant to play the game myself, but, you know, just never really got the time. So having a good chance to jump in it was pretty good for me. And as Pat said before, kind of reviewing old games in today's context is kind of the name of the game here. And many people often ask us, you know, do you think it's a bit unfair that we do that? In our opinion, I think it is fair. When you choose sit down and you choose a game to play, you're making your decision based on the quality of the game. And if that game hasn't aged very well, you know, why would you play it over something new? We're not um we're not saying that these games don't have a valid historical legacy. It's simply how how much enjoyment could you get from playing it today? A good comparison is probably the movie Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane is a movie that obviously has incredible historical significance and it changed the way filmmaking has been done. However, that doesn't mean that it's a fun, enjoyable film to watch today. And in fact, you'll find that only the most uh, engaged film buffs will spend their free time playing Citizen Kane. So, playing Citizen Kane. <laughs> yes, playing Citizen Kane. Uh, and that's basically what we're trying to do today. We're trying to uh, find the Citizen Kane of video games. <laughs> um, so with that said, how about you give us a quick introduction to Max Payne and then we'll get on with the discussion. 
Uh, so before we do that, there's just a couple of technical issues I'd like to go over before we get into the episode. Yeah. The first is that um, we both installed a fix that we found on the Steam community, and we'll link that in the episode notes. You need a sound fix to get this game working on Windows 10, and we found a package that includes you know, a widescreen fix and a couple of other miscellaneous uh, bug fixes. So it's all in one package. It's very easy to install. It's just a one-click executable. But make sure you get that if you're going to play Max Payne today. We both bought the game on Steam for reference as well. Um, the other thing is we've gotten some feedback about how we've been implementing the music. It's been a little abrupt, apparently. So we're going to try uh, something a little different. We're going to try doing some small introductions. It's slightly experimental. If you find it's good and it works, please let us know. If you think it's terrible, please also let us know. Uh, we want to find the, the best way to incorporate music into the cast that we can yeah because we think it's really important that when we're you know kind of reviewing the soundtrack and the voice acting of the game that we give you guys something to refer to you know some of you may not have probably haven't played the game before you know that's the whole point of the show is to convince you to or to not play so giving you that kind of context is really important to us and we're pretty interested in finding the right way to do it so, uh, with that said, it's time to get into Max Payne. Yeah, just a quick spoiler warning, Max Payne's story is a major part of the experience, and we'll be going into it in pretty, pretty great detail, so if you're worried about that, maybe skip ahead. The basic plot set up for Max Payne is that um, you play the character Max Payne, already a very silly name, and uh, it's a neo-noir tale. Max Payne is a prized detective working in New York. He has a loving wife. Uh, he has a baby child. He's won awards. He has a partner. He's a happy guy. Everything is going right in his life. When, all of a sudden, three druggies invade his home and kill his wife and child. And this happens all within the first five minutes of the story being introduced. So Max Payne is obviously racked with grief, as anyone would be in his situation. He joins the DEA, the uh, Drug Enforcement Agency in the United States, and he goes undercover in a crime family to try and track down the course of these drugs that, you know, wrecked their misfortune and havoc on him. But at the start of the um, at the start of the game, or you know, shortly after the start of the game, he gets a message from his partner saying he's on the trail of something big. Uh, Max Payne's cover gets blown, and he uh, tries to take down the entire crime syndicate of New York all by his lonesome. So that's the basic setup for the story. Um, and I mentioned before that it's a neo noir tale, and it absolutely is. It takes its cues from um, traditional noir films and in particular more modern takes on it like Reservoir Dogs and um, Pulp Fiction, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. It very much cleaves to that sort of style of storytelling. So, James, the very first thing I wanted to ask you about the story, and th there's a lot to go into, but I wanted to ask you about the narrative framing device of Max Payne narrating a lot of what's going on because most of the story isn't told through cutscenes. it's told through max Payne monologuing about new york city and the various predicaments he's in how did you feel about this style of storytelling 
Yeah, I actually really like it. I think that one of the biggest strengths of doing this is that Max Payne as a game is going for a very consistent tone and atmosphere in its storytelling. And being able to kind of center this story on this one voice, like character voice, means that, you know, you can consistently have that singular tone. Max Payne has a very kind of nihilistic outlook on life. He's very scarred by the events that have happened to him in the story, and he's extremely cynical throughout. The backdrop of this story is this, you know, seemingly endless night in this perpetually worsening snowstorm, while this very fatalistic character just drones on and on about the sorry state of the world that he's put in. And, you know, I think it does a very good job of keeping that tone consistent throughout the game. It's not just the world, it's Max Payne's view on the world. Yes. We are, like you said, we're viewing it from Max Payne's perspective. And all of the places that Max Payne is going in his journeys and the characters he meets are the nasty sides of the criminal underworld. You go to seedy nightclubs uh, and hotels. You go to these cold, bleak uh, mansions filled with bad guys. And all the people that you meet, they're all pretty much all entirely criminals, uh, except for some uh, brief uh, flights of fancy with the cops. But even then, they're often corrupt cops. So this is explained by the fact that the snowstorm is keeping all the innocent people away. But uh, yeah, it's a very dark world. And um, having Max narrate it helps keep it tonally consistent in that way. I think that there's also something to be said for the way in which Max Payne speaks because he loves his similes and metaphors. Yes. And at times it's a little silly how often he uses them. There's a sense of cheesiness to them, but I love this. And maybe it's just my love of film noir that's coming through here. While I haven't seen many of the classic noir films from the 50s and 60s, more modern takes of noir are some of my favorite films of all time. But the way, it's an almost poetic way in which he speaks. We'll, um, we'll play you a couple of examples to give you an idea, because I don't think I can do the Max Payne voice justice. No, I don't think anybody can. So here we go. I had blindly gone after the first bad guy on my hit list when I should have been aiming further up the ladder at the head of the Punchinello family. <sighs> I couldn't bring myself to be pissed at Mona. I guess I had a soft spot for a pretty face. But when somebody decides to play baseball with your head, you tend to get sore. They had dragged me back to the basement of Lupino's hotel. I was beaten, bruised, and blue. I felt like the chair I had broken to get free. As you've heard, and as Patrick said, these are portrayed as Max's really, like, you know, bleak outlook in the world and presented in these almost poetic, quippy, borderline cheesy way. And that's one of the big things about this game for me, is that there are two very perpendicular themes on display in this game. The one being, you know, Max's bleak outlook on the world, contrasted heavily with an extreme level of cheesiness that's going on throughout the story. And I don't just mean the writing i think that the presentation too is extremely cheesy and somehow um somehow the developers of this game have managed to pull it off in a way that benefited my enjoyment when you're reading the graphic novel segments the actors in the background you know because the graphic novelists are just highly edited photos essentially the actors are just Obviously a bunch of dudes they had lying around 
trying to pretend to be these dangerous gangsters and Max himself, and they're just pulling off the most stupidly hilarious expressions that starkly contrast what's being said, and somehow it just fits together in the most amazing way. So I think that a large reason why this story works is that it's a very self-aware, playful take on gangster films and the noir genre. It doesn't play it quite straight, although there are definitely moments when it does. But there are so many references to other other gangster films and etc. That and there's even self-awareness in certain moments within the game that Max Payne himself is aware of the fact that he's in a story or a video game. That it doesn't feel like it's taking itself super seriously. So I don't know how familiar you are with these sorts of films, but as I was watching, sorry, as I was playing the game, I saw references to Pulp Fiction, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Matrix, Casablanca, Scarface. There's even two mobsters talking about Seven and another big film in the same genre, and it happens all the time. Uh, were you picking up on these references that were scattered throughout? Yeah, so I haven't seen any of those films that you've just mentioned, um, so no, I absolutely did not pick up on any references throughout the story. Sure, but even then, you I guess you were aware and appreciated the irony in the nightmare scene where where he becomes aware that he's in a graphic novel or a video game. Yeah, I absolutely thought that was hilarious. Um, the way they play it too, it's like they play it straight while managing to have it be um, kind of comedic at the same time. Um, I think it's brilliant. The best moment out of all of these for me is when um, Max Payne gets to a cultist's stronghold and he goes, wow, this guy is such a cliché. And then he takes back and he's like, that being said, I'm a bit of a cliche as well for these reasons. And I'm like, this, <laughs> this game this game knows what's going on. It's, uh, it's uh, not trying to be some original uh, masterpiece. It's very aware of the tropes surrounding these noir stories. And even though it does want to tell a genuine story, it's also a homage to all of these classics. Yeah, I think the big thing about this game is that its overall plot and structure isn't anything special, right? Ultimately, it's just a hero's journey with a revenge motivation behind it. But the moment-to-moment -moment dialogue in its poetic nature, the really nihilistic quips, all of the, like, fallen angel symbolism, and just the constant gravelly droning narration of Max's voice is endlessly enjoyable, you know, moment-to-moment. -moment. This isn't a story that you go through expecting big plot twists and, you know, a hugely satisfying conclusion. It's something that you go through really enjoying the dialogue and the narration and the just all the detail and cheesiness that's in every second of the game. Yeah, and I think that that limitation is probably because it's a video game. Um, in this video game, you play as Max Payne and you kill hundreds of people. In um, more classic noir films and more modern ones, the plot tends to be quite complex. Uh, there's a lot of crossings and double crossings as various characters, you know, work with different foes and they're changing sides all the time. No one's who they appear Max Payne is a much more straightforward tale. And if they'd gone for something more complicated and Max Payne was still killing hundreds of people, it wouldn't have made as much sense. So it isn't a super complicated plot, but it's appropriate for the fact that it's 
equally an action game as it is a noir tale. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Although I do think the way, like, the kinds of people you're killing throughout the game kind of reflects the main character's kind of, like, fall from grace almost. Max Payne begins the game as a cop, a fairly straight-edge character who does the right thing, and through the death of his family becomes obsessed with revenge, right? And, you know, you start killing gangsters and you're a cop you shouldn't just be murdering these criminals you should be bringing them to justice and arresting them and that kind of thing but as you go through the game and he becomes more obsessed with avenging his family you start just killing drug addicts and you know passes by you stop caring about your character's safety you know max doesn't care about whether he dies he's just he's on his mission and he has to do that no matter the cost max causes all sorts of wanton destruction throughout the game you know on his obsessive quest there's a lot of fallen angels uh, imagery throughout the entire game not only in the level but through the dialogue which really kind of reinforces max going from this straight edge cop to this determined killer kind of character it happens very rapidly though like there's a point quite early on where he's reading through um he's found a letter like an incriminating letter evidence that would help convince uh punchinello And instead of keeping it to convict him, he rips it into pieces and says, we're far past collecting evidence. And uh, I thought that was uh, I thought that was quite a good moment because it showed you that, yeah, already Max Payne was beginning to fall. I do think that there is some subtlety in how it's done. There's a point where he discovers the source of the drug Valkyrie and um He starts reading through it, and as he's reading through it, he says something to the effect of, as I read through this and found out that, you know, this drug was a secret experiment that caused these people to go mad, I started to get scared because it seemed like everything I had done up to this point was being validated. And the fact that he has that point of view, that amount of self-awareness shows that he doesn't think that he's a good guy. And the very fact that he doesn't think he's a good guy is almost a form of redemption. He doesn't view himself as the hero in this tale. He knows, he knows he's not a good guy. And that gives him, you know, an element, a nudge towards the good side. Yeah, absolutely. I think Max is quite a good character, although I will say that he's probably the only good character in the entire story. Um, that is a fair criticism. Um, there was one other character I liked, uh, Woden, who's very Odin-like in his mannerisms and uh, what he does. Yes. And I also didn't hate uh, one of the minor characters named Mona Sachs, but on the whole, Max is the standout character in this story, and I'm glad we spend 90% of our time with him because uh, if it was a more ensemble cast, then the story would have suffered for it. Yeah, I think it would have gotten very clotted very quickly. I really like the, uh, you know, the very razor-sharp focus on Max's character and because he's very funny, he's very witty. All his sentences are just, like, oozing with skepticism and just, like, cheeky quips, and he's just, like, a joy to listen to throughout the game. And I think that if the game was just Max talking, you know, which it already pretty much is, um, I would think the story is brilliant. Um, I don't know how you feel about it overall. Yeah, because he's a sarcastic asshole, I identify very strongly with him. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, I think um, 
I think that you're correct that the average character quality is quite low, but uh, Max Payne is a fantastic character. And because we spend nearly all of our time with him, it, it's fine and it ends out working working quite well. Um, did you have any overall thoughts on the story before we move on? No, I think it's brilliant. I think that the you know moment-to-moment wordplay and the way all the sentences constructed is the the best part of this game um you know we'll get to the other parts of the game but to me this is the absolute standout of the game is the writing um and the dialogue from max himself i uh, i agree this story is the standout part of this game it's the best part of this game everything from the the random narrations when you pick up a telephone and have a conversation with one of the bosses when you see a tv and there's a there's a report on what the snow's like and max makes a random quip the story is fantastic and holds up really well i will say i think that this game's story will never be a standout classic it's a little too self-referential and cute and cheesy but as someone who loves the genre and loves these films i love this and i had a grin from ear to ear for for most most of the story so um i love it it's fantastic if you enjoy crime films you'll love it you think that the cheesiness is a detriment to the game i think that the fact that it so masterfully blends that cheesiness and you know cynicism together throughout the story is what makes it stand out as a classic for me Okay, so I guess for me, the problem with Max Payne's story is that it's a little derivative. It's not, it doesn't really stand out as a unique take on um, on the genre. And that's fine. Not every film needs, sorry, every film, I'm calling it a film, but not every story needs to be a unique or fresh take. But for me, a classic tends to need to. When, when I think of the greatest books and films of all time, there has to be some measure of originality, of striking out and doing their own thing. And Max Payne isn't that to me. So while for me it is like a four and a half out of a five-star movie, it would never be elevated to a classic above that because it's a little too self-referential, a little too derivative. Okay, because as somebody who'd never... You know, I mentioned I'd never seen any of those films before, right? Okay, so sure. as somebody going into, you know, this genre pretty unaware, and, you know, I never got any of those references. So for me, the story, you know, the overarching plot in the story is whatever. It's like a four out of ten kind of thing. The moment-to-moment dialogue to me is so good, entertaining in both, you know, a gripping and also a comedic way is just like i don't know any other game that's managed to blend those two tones together so seamlessly without it all falling apart yeah perhaps it's unfair for me to compare it to films but compared to films i've seen and i guess they're both stories the dialogue is good but it's not ever truly brilliant like uh, a film like miller's crossing or, you know, Reservoir Dogs, I think has far sharper, snappier dialogue. And I think even Sin City, has a, which is a modern noir movie, has a better take on the Max Payne style dialogue. So don't get me wrong, I think it's very good. I think it's even brilliant, but it doesn't quite cross the bar into all-time classic story for me. Okay, that's fair enough. It's pretty hard for me to argue against that without having senior examples, to be honest. Yeah, and that's fair enough. So, with that said, we've waffled on about the story for a lot, and you now know both of our takes on it. So, you know, how about we get into a bit about the gameplay? Because, after all, this is a video game at the end of the day. But before that, 
Here's a segment from Max Payne's soundtrack titled Men in Blue. So I'll take it away. Here's the thing. I have a massive biased predisposition against third-person shooters. I fundamentally do not like them. I don't like how you can see around corners and walls uh, without exposing yourself to danger to the point where there are online third-person shooters like PUBG where uh, if I have the choice between playing with 300 ping on an Asian server in first person, I will always take that option over playing 40 ping in, uh, in third person. I hate it. I, there's something about it that doesn't work for me. Moving your mouse around when you're in third person feels more like you're moving the camera around than like turning your character around. And I think that that's fine for stealth games, but for shooters... I far, far, far prefer FPS games. And even like good third-person shooters like the GTA games and Uncharted and um, Red Dead Redemption, I still never love. So Max Payne is example of, of a bad or mediocre version of a third-person shooter. <laughs> so um, I did not like the, um, the shooting gameplay of this game. How do you feel about it, James? I'm actually surprised. I think I'm higher on the gameplay than you are. And with your criticism of third-person shooters, specifically your PUBG example, I think it's very different for an online multiplayer game compared to a first-person game. You know, when you're in third-person, the amount of information you get from your opponent is very crucial and really changes how the game plays out. But I don't think that's the case in um, a single-player experience where your enemies can't get that kind of advantage. As a single-player game, you're just exploiting the ex extra information you get by, like, leaning behind walls without moving your character model out the side, and I think that's fine. It doesn't bother me at all. I, I agree with that. Like, it, it is a first-person game. The Sorry, it's a single-player game, and the odds are stacked against you. So it, it is a different... I agree it is a different situation to the, um, to the multiplayer game. Yeah, but with that said, I would absolutely describe this game, and I don't know if you agree, as being a moderately enjoyable puddle. This game has absolutely no depth to it whatsoever. You run around, there's no cover system, you, you shoot your gun, um, you try not to get shot, and you have a meter which allows you to go into bullet time to either slow time down or to slow time down while dodging to the side or forward and backward. And that's the whole game, is just running from room to room, you know, holding left click and trying to dodge bullets, which are... Uh, 
are mostly projectile based in this game. You know, it feel it feels like a combination of hit scan when you're not in bullet time and, you know, a projectile game where you are and you're trying to dodge each individual bullet. But that's that's all there is to the gameplay. You just you run around and you shoot and you slow time down. And you know, for the most part, I think it works pretty well. I had quite a bit of fun going from room to room, you know, just shooting guys up and grabbing health and ammo wherever I could find it. It's nothing special, I would never recommend this game to somebody purely based on the gameplay, but I wouldn't say that it was a turn-off. The word I would use is mediocre. I um I didn't hate it, like I still like shooting people in games, I've been doing it for a long time. In games, that is. Uh, but it's not really, I don't really get the level of satisfaction I get from killing enemies in this game that I do from other games. Um, I was telling you I've been playing through Call of Duty campaigns recently and playing through your generic Call of Duty campaign is far, far more satisfying than any of the combat in this game. Um, Part of that is that it's third person and I don't like third person shooting, but a big part of it is how woefully inaccurate most of the guns in this game are. Yes. The games are very, the guns are very, very spammy to the point where even at medium range, it's often better to use the dual Uzis, which is definitely a close range weapon because it just, it's so hard to aim accurately at enemies. Yeah, it's it's certainly easier with a mouse and keyboard than it ever was with my PlayStation controller. But um, yeah, it's not, it's not really satisfying going for headshots or you know even even sometimes with the shotgun blast it's just a little ugly and poor feedback and sometimes the guns don't do enough damage it's uh it's not great i think the lack of focus on headshots in this game is to its service honestly i think this game is meant to be played you know quite fast and gung-ho run into a room you know shoot the place up and keep keep running um you're not supposed to slow down and slowly line your shot up for each enemy or sneak up on people you know it's all guns blazing all the time and one of the things that i think really you know keeps it like that is the lack of a cover system which Especially since starting this podcast and playing a lot of games like, you know, Quake and Doom, I've really come to appreciate uh, games that don't have a cover system where you just sit behind a chest-high wall and peek out occasionally. I find these games to be much more enjoyable when you're running in guns blazing, you know, trying to go through the place as fast as possible, and I think that Max Payne absolutely allows you to do that if you're good enough. Well, um, I'm probably not good enough because that's not how I played the game. I mean, there were instances when I played it like that, particularly in close range with the Uzis, but about at about the halfway point, you get access to the Colt Commando, which is, um, which is a rifle, and that is accurate at range to the point where you can get long-range headshots. And from that point onwards, I started enjoying the game's combat more because I could play slower and snipe people at long ranges with it. Were you not using the commando in that way? Yeah, I was, but I was still just sprinting into a room, diving, slowing time down, and then like picking off three dudes in one dive. Maybe you're just... Maybe you're just far better at this game than I am, because I died a lot while playing Max Payne. Like, a lot, a lot. I'm not saying I didn't. In fact, um, one of the criticisms I had about this game is there is a certain mechanic... I don't know if mechanic's the right word, (laughs) but this game has an adaptive difficulty setting, which you cannot control. Amazing. 
Yeah, and I think it's absolutely garbage, honestly. Um, but, you know, as you kill things, the game gets harder and harder and harder. So it's almost guaranteed that you're going to get it to a point in the game where you just, you get absolutely lit on fire the second you step out of cover. It's, like, absolutely terrible. Sorry, sorry go on. Yeah, it's absolutely frustrating. I hated it. And so because I was doing so well at the start and I was forced into these difficult encounters, I started save scumming like a lot. Like there's a quick save in this button. You just hit F5. And like near the end of the game, I was saving after every single encounter. You know, it was like I do a room, I hit quick save, I go in and... I started having a bit more fun again when I changed my approach to the game because, you know, there's a, like, almost a health management aspect to this game where health is limited and you have to find it. Instead of worrying about the health system, near the end of the game, I just started treating it as, like, I will consider it a success if I get through a room without taking damage. And so I just, like, ignored the health system and if I took too many hits, reloaded and just, like, pushed myself to try and master each individual encounter. Um, and I think that's where I was having the most fun. Because other than that, it's it's really hard to enjoy this game saving sparsely and then trying to go through a long stretch because you could just die from peeking your head around a corner and it's very unsatisfying. I absolutely also save scum. In a way, the game forces you to do it. Because the problem is, uh, like you said, if you're doing well, you start taking more and more damage and the enemies become increasingly tanky. But it's the same with using healing items. If you keep healing up, then the enemies get tougher and tougher and tougher to the point where you run out of healing items and you die. I'm sure people can speedrun through this game without dying, but the game's difficulty is like gets absurdly hard to the point where if you're point blank with someone and you shoot a shotgun blast into their chest, they don't they die. They don't die. Oh, yeah, it's, so it's awful. Terrible. Well, it removes all the um, enjoyment of using a shotgun if you're that close to a person and they just survive 20 shells to the chest. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it makes it hard to plan out combat encounters when your weapon damage is so variable. I, I absolutely loathe the adaptive difficulty of this game. It's so frustrating. It's such a poor mechanic. Uh, I, I read some reviews of this game when it was released, and they were all praising this adaptability mechanic. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's garbage. I hate it. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing for me is that you don't know where that scale is at any given point. Like, you nope. don't know if the enemies are easy or if they're hard. So... If you're currently trying to struggle through a room, it removes any sense of satisfaction from finally beating the room because you just assume that the game's going easy on you all of a sudden. Like, you're like, I have no idea how hard this game actually is right now, so if I beat an encounter, you know, it probably wasn't good. The game was probably just going easy on me, and, like, that really... I'm, I'm really happy to play a hard game and struggle for hours on a single fight, if at the end I can finally beat it and feel really good about myself for finally overcoming this challenge. But you absolutely can't do that in Max Payne. You don't even have the option. The game just takes the control of the difficulty out of your hands completely, and I just hate that. Yeah, that's a really good point. If you're in a difficult spot, you never earn the victory. The game just lets you beat it by making you take less damage and the enemies become weaker. Um, there were, I wanted to point out two moments where I found... I was really, really struggling. I died like 10 to 15 times in each of these instances. So the first was when you finally confront Punchinello and then three guys 
three secret service guys bust in the door with cults. And, oh, boy, that, that took me a lot of tries. I don't know if you struggled there at all. Uh, I just reloaded and then, like, equipped the grenade launcher and one-hit them all. That's, that's um, a good way to do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the other time was as you move into the final level, there's these three guys sniping you with grenade launchers over absurd distances. And uh, I was getting my sniper out, but I couldn't consistently take out all three before I got blown to bits. Did, did What about there? Did you die there? Mark? Was that the long corridor with all yeah. the dudes on yeah. the... Yeah. Oh, so at that point in the game, my difficulty had sniped, uh, spiked to the point where dudes didn't die in one sniper hit. Um, so that was extremely frustrating. I like I tried for like 40 minutes until the game's difficulty finally dropped to the point where they died in one hit and then I got through it first try. I, I think the idea is those guys are wearing body armor, so you have to go for headshots. Yeah, but there's also a bunch of railing and skirting boards and yeah. stuff obscuring their faces. It's just like, oh yeah. my god. It's... And the grenades in this game have a gigantic area of effect. They hit you from so far away um, to the point where I probably killed myself with grenades more than actually being killed by enemies' grenades in this game. But it's also funny in that spot because they I, they are sniping you. Like, you're a, it's a huge corridor and they're like just shooting you, you know, 150 meters uh, with those grenades shockingly accurate yeah. I, yeah I struggled there there were a couple of the moments but those were the two big ones that um i uh, died a lot and i died a lot while playing this game i will say though um talking about the sniper rifle i did find that weapon to be really fun to use there was a specific section in this dockyard where you had to maneuver this uh this cargo lift it's like a giant tower that kind of moves on rails um between these shipping containers and watchtowers that have their own snipers, and I found that section to be really fun. Yeah, when whenever I was using the the cult and the sniper rifle, I was enjoying the game a lot more because um, I felt like I was actually aiming and killing enemies by going for headshots and you know body shots with the sniper. But the earlier gameplay with you know these inaccurate weapons, even the deagle, which was kind of accurate i felt like the crosshair didn't line up with where the bullets were going so it was yeah it just just wasn't great so yeah my favorite guns were actually the um the jewel berettas and the uzis which are like the least accurate guns because i just liked um it's actually quite easy to sidestep enemies bullets um when the difficulty isn't too high so you can kind of just like strafe and hold left click and it can be really satisfying to mow a whole bunch of people down i like the jewel uzis they were my um default weapon whenever i had ammo in the earlier sections i found they were the most effective um just a quick note on the boss battles the boss battles are just normal enemies with a lot of hp and i didn't like them there was one boss battle where it kind of made sense for them to have a lot of hp and that's one where they're absolutely jacked on drugs so I was like, okay, that makes sense. They're, they've taken so many drugs that they've become immune to the pain or whatever. But all the other bosses are just regular dudes with, you know, a health bar six times as large as the other guys. So I would have preferred it if they were just normal guys that died in one headshot like anyone else. Yeah, and it doesn't help that a lot of the time uh, you're stuck in a choke point. Like that boss fight in the bar where you're behind that door and there's like four dudes on the other side of the door drove me nuts. Yeah, I was okay. I kind of fell back and let them come to me. But uh, yeah, the the gunplay's mediocre. Don't 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 play this game for its uh, gunplay. Although I have to say, to say I got zero enjoyment out of it, it's a lie. Uh, I I still like shooters. I still like third person shooters with all my complaints. 
So I was able to enjoy getting headshots, but it took a while before I got there. And this is certainly one of the weakest shooters I've ever played. Honestly, if a game like this was to come out today, I wouldn't be, and it was to like improve the system, I'd be pretty happy with it. I really like the lack of cover. I really like the lack of a cover system in this game. Um, the gunplay feels snappy when it works. And sometimes I had a lot of enjoyment in this game, but for the most part, kind of average. Um, I wouldn't say it's bad, but it's got the depth of a puddle. So if you don't like the gameplay, then, well, yeah, too bad, really. Let's talk a bit more about bullet time, because um, the thing is, James... I barely used bullet time when I was playing this game. Really? Uh, I I used it a lot more at the beginning um, when it, you know when I was jumping around corners with the shotgun. But um, as I moved on and I got the Akira weapons, I wasn't even using bullet time. I found that it was easier and faster just to line up headshots. And large part of that is the fact that you're in third person and you can see enemies around corners and know exactly where they are while you're in complete safety. And I found it easier just to step out and shoot them in the head than um, trying to do dives or even slowing down time. Uh, so maybe I'm unusual in doing this. I think if I was playing on console or with a controller, I'd definitely utilize it more. But to me, it was just not super useful. Um, all right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit my um, shittiness at this game right here. I didn't actually know until you mentioned it that this game had a headshot mechanic. Um, so I didn't, oh. I didn't go for it the entire time. I always went for the chest because, you know, as you said, the guns are pretty inaccurate. So if you go for the chest, best chance of hitting them. So because of that, I was forced to use bullet time like every single encounter. And when I didn't have it, mm. I felt kind of up shit creek, honestly. And I guess a part of that kind of reduced my enjoyment of the game because, you know, bullet time's supposed to be cool, but half the time you use it, you're doing these big slow-mo dives that if you don't execute your shots perfectly, there's a lot of recovery lag on the end of the dive. You just die lying on the ground. I found that happened to me a lot. Or, like, you accidentally dive over over a railing and fall to your death because the <laughs> oh my god the fall damage in this game like is so unforgiving um you just die from full health falling off like half a story and you know sometimes you'll dive into a wall and get stuck in a grenades aoe so i guess i guess i probably would have had a bit more fun if i had known that <laughs> well the thing is it's kind of the game's fault because they don't give you a weapon that can accurately go for headshots until you're like significantly far into the game so you're never encouraged to go for headshots early on i i don't know i to me that's that's the fault of the game and i've actually read online that other people have been completely unaware that headshots were a mechanic so. yeah because one of the big things was every time someone died and i was like they didn't i didn't think they'd die that easily you know they probably got hit in the head by a stray bullet my assumption was just that the game had dropped the difficulty for me because i was doing bad yeah. so and you, you just can't know right no that's that's a fair point as well so yeah i i wouldn't feel bad i'm pretty sure that's the game's fault for for adaptive difficulty and not giving you an accurate weapon early on yes yeah so so my verdict on the gunplay is that it's mediocre it's it's okay it wasn't a deal breaker at any point for me a couple of frustrating moments but uh, it's certainly not the reason I'm playing the game. Yeah, there are really fun parts and there are really tedious parts. So, you know, gameplay for me is a mixed bag, but I think I had a better enjoyment of it than you did. Now, now James, let's get to the absolute worst part of the game by far. The 
most painful shit of one of the some of the most painful stuff i've ever experienced in a video game let's talk about the nightmare scenes oh my god yeah um so <laughs> with the exception of the self-referential like trapped in a video game dialogue that we mentioned earlier um actually here it is have some fun there's something disturbingly familiar about the letter before me the handwriting was all pretty curves you're in a computer game, Max. The truth was a burning green crack through my brain. Weapon statistics hanging in the air, glimpsed out of the corner of my eye. Endless repetition of the act of shooting. Time slowing down to show off my moves. The paranoid feel of someone controlling my every step. I was in a computer game. Funny as hell, it was the most horrible thing I could think of. Yeah, with the exception of that, um, I would say that the nightmare scenes were pretty god-awful. Um, you're trapped in these labyrinth-like hallways that make no sense, which is fine, until you get to these sections that involve you, like, slowly walking across these incredibly narrow maze-like bridges. Um, if you've played Dark Souls 1, it's like that segment in Anna Londo where you have to traverse the rafters, except much worse. It's like that on crack, because there's two things. Firstly, oh, sorry, three things. Firstly, the gravity is way lower, so you jump way higher. Secondly, you move in slow motion. And thirdly, for some reason, they wanted to make it look more surreal. So they jacked the field of view up to like 180. So you've got this really weird perspective as you're moving in slow motion. And let me tell you, Max Payne is not a good platforming game. <laughs> and these are platforming sections. And there's this fucking soundtrack playing in the background of a baby crying. And it's on like a one and a half second loop. Yeah, I mean, it does reinforce the themes that it's going for pretty well, uh, but it did get pretty grating after a while. And particularly, the thing that annoyed me the most is that those narrow balancing beams, you can't see the edges, you can only see the centre of them, which are painted red. So it's very hard to tell, like, exactly where you can step without falling off. And my character slipped off those beams so many times to the point where I was saving, like every five seconds it was just like pain in the ass yeah i was um i was lucky because in with the first one i don't know if you realize with the first nightmare there's a massive shortcut you can take you don't need to follow the blood trails you can kind mm. of skip them i did not know that but uh but the second one the second one i don't believe has any shortcuts and there's no clear direction there's no clear idea of where you should be going it's like multiple paths and you have no idea which way to go. Well, I think the way it's set out is such that you can take any path and eventually reach the destination. But yeah, it was very tedious. I did not enjoy it. And back when I played this on PS2, I didn't have access to quick saving. So every single time I died, I had to repeat it from the beginning. Oh my god. Oh my god. It was it was honest to god. I I remember getting so mad playing it back in the day and even playing it now. I probably died 30 times in that second nightmare scene. Like, literally 30 times falling off, trying to make jumps, falling off the blood trail. And like you, I, I resorted to saves coming. It is... If if there was a reason to not play Max Payne, it would be this, these sections. Uh, they're They are awful, but they're, they're thankfully far and few. But there's, like, two of them, right? So, I there's mean... There's two, yeah. Yeah, they're painful, but whatever they're not too long definitely the worst part of the game though i'm not saying i would literally never play this game because of this section i'm just saying that 
I have not played many games with gameplay this bad in my life before. And this is this is certainly some of the worst. Yeah. So so prepare yourself. If you're going to play Max Payne, you're in for some Max Payne. Which is actually a, a joke they make throughout the story. Um, I hope you I hope you're ready for some absolute cheesiness because this game delivers. They even my, my favorite one of this is um, the item that you use to heal yourself. I called pain painkillers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> incredibly bad, but it's perfect. Yeah, uh, it is. Fits, fits so well. To me, those are the um, the main. That's pretty much all the gameplay. You have the gunplay, and then you have these bloody platforming sections which are a complete nightmare there's some other small platforming sections in the game that i remember really struggling with uh with the ps2 controller wasn't nearly as bad with the mouse and keyboard but uh yeah that's that's the gameplay yeah um so we've been going for a little while now so we'll give you a little a little rest from our ramblings so i'd like to share with you the main theme of max Payne. So you just mentioned the cheesiness of the painkillers and I kind of want to go back into that cheesiness because this is like probably my favorite part of the game um, uh, is how the cheesiness is just interwoven into every aspect, you know, and it's just done so well, especially in this game's graphics. Back when this game was made, whoever was directing this game made the brilliant, if also a bit terrible, decision to use actual photos for face textures in this game. And I think it's, like, the funniest thing I've ever seen. You know, Max Payne's face looks like he's got something shoved up his ass half the time. And his expressions are just hilarious throughout when he's giving these really bleak dialogues while, you know, he's got that face that he does. You know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. It's it's very um off-putting because in the graphic novel scenes he looks like he's you know 22 years old and yeah you know, he's a dashing young handsome cop in uh but what he looks like in game well firstly his his head is a square and he's got a stupid smile on his face that goes from one side of his face to the other and it's like yeah he looks like he's constipated and i understand they were going for the, like this world weary you know, cyn- cynical smile, but it doesn't look like that at all. It doesn't look like that at all. I mean, it's the same actor in the graphic novels and on Max Payne's, like, face. Um, and it's so funny, because in the dialogue, he sounds like this grizzled 30-year-old detective who's had his family killed, and in the in the graphic novel pictures, he's just got this stupid grin on his face half the time, and he looks like he's, like, 20 years old. It just, like, completely contrasts, and it's so, so funny. And I think that the silliness in the graphic novels um underneath all of the grim dialogue is really good i really liked it 
That said, though, apart from the cheesy face textures in the graphic novels, this game probably hasn't aged that well. You know, we played with a, a nice texture replacement pack that we'll be linking on the website, and the environments still look good, but in terms of the character models, this game looks really dated. Your character is animated like, you know, a fucking Minecraft character. He moves so stiffly. He's worse than Minecraft characters. Yeah, it's worse than yeah. Minecraft, let's be honest. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I I agree. The game, um, it's it's one of those things, right? Once again, yeah, it looks kind of average. However, the environments we're in is like a cold, dark, bleak world. You know, there's a permanent snowstorm. We're in sleazy locations. So the use of browns and kind of shitty textures and everything do feel very New York City-ish. It's not fantastical or anything, but yeah, the, the graphics are low res and ugly, but the world is ugly as well. So my take was, yes, this game hasn't aged well, but... I don't think it's massively to the game's detriment. Yeah, especially with the the fixes and the texture replacements that we were using. I thought the environments looked fine. Um, every time I looked at Max Payne himself, I was laughing my ass off. But um, you know, it's not it's not super detrimental. And the comedic effect is honestly to the game's benefit in a lot of ways, or at least you know my personal enjoyment. I don't know if you felt the same about that. It was okay. I kind of didn't like the way he was smiling all the time because it makes him look like a psychopath. It was so funny. It was so funny. The thing is, it just doesn't fit his character because it it makes sense for him to smile at points in time, but he had the smile on his face too much. It didn't gel up with what what his character would be feeling at a given moment a lot of the time. I think the smile at the very end, you know, you get a preview of it at the beginning, makes sense. The fact that he's got that smile on his face while he's, um, you know, reminiscing about his dead wife and child is slightly <laughs> not right. You need to... You, your world-weary character can be smiling at certain points, but they're not the fucking Joker. The presentation of the characters and the way they look in novel and in-game absolutely clashes with the bleak theming that the game's going on, but I found it so funny, that kind of contrast that just, like, shouldn't be there, but to me it kind of worked in this really kind of weird way. I really liked it. Well, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, James, because I was, like, I was very whatever about it. I was like, yeah, this is just bad graphics, but... But uh, yeah, sure. If if you enjoyed it, I'm happy for you. It wasn't it wasn't a problem for me, but it wasn't an asset either. Yeah. So the graphics are mediocre, and if you really like the cheesiness, you're gonna love um, some of the some of the characters and uh, the shitty acting in the graphic novels. But yeah, you know, not too much else to say about the graphics. Um, I wouldn't tell somebody not to play it because of them. No, absolutely not. And I guess that then brings us to sound. So what we'll do, we'll give you a bit of music to chew on and, you know, give a bit of context to the discussion we're about to have. So, you know, enjoy the ride.
So, you guys just heard a bit of music from this game. Um, how do you feel about it, Patrick? Um, yeah, the music is very tends to be very understated in the background. I think that the main theme of uh, Max Payne, which is the menu theme, and I think also the death theme from memory is uh, is very good. I enjoyed it a lot. But honestly, it's not super memorable. Uh, there is one track that sounds like an F-Zero track, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> so that one stood out in my mind. But um, yeah, on the whole, music was background music for me. There, there are points of um, urgency where the music kicks up a notch. And I found that, that music pretty good. But on the whole, not super memorable. It's It's good music. I liked it, but it wasn't great. I thought I thought in general that the music in this game was quite good. I think that each track does a very good job of accomplishing what it sets out to do. All of the music in this game kind of falls into two buckets almost, you know, and it alternates between these really haunting, foreboding tracks and, you know, some really intense, loud battle themes. None of the music in this game, I don't think, could be described as being upbeat, um, I think it's all very tonally consistent with the bleak story and they're really kind of like trapped in an endless night with a snowstorm kind of feeling. And I think it does a good job. I don't think that any track other than the main theme particularly sticks out to me as being memorable, but I don't think it's trying to be these very catchy tunes that you're supposed to get stuck in your head. They're just kind of there to match the themes that the games is going for. And to that extent, I think they do a good job. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, certainly, they were always thematically on point. When you're in an intense situation like the chase scenes, the music is uh, upbeat. And when you're, um, when you're plundering the depths of the secret lab, it's more ominous. The ominous tracks, I think, are definitely my favorite. But yeah, on the whole, I wouldn't say the soundtrack is something I'm going to be listening to by itself a lot, but I think it does perfectly match the atmosphere. As a soundtrack, absolutely succeeds in its goals. I quite liked what was on display here. Yep, completely agree. I guess there's a few other elements to the sound, so let's talk about those. Um, I think the voice acting in this game is really good. I think Max's voice actor absolutely nails his role. So I have it written down. Uh, Max's voice actor is James McCaffrey, and um, I could not agree more. I think that he carries this game on his voice actor. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. He's got this, you know, uh, foreboding, gravelly tone to his voice, and he's just really witty and quippy the whole time without breaking from that kind of, like, bleak outlook in the world. Yeah, he says things with the right cadence. It's um, it's nice and slow and reflective, which is necessary because it's minimalistic in its dialogue. Max Payne doesn't say a lot of things, uh, but everything he says has purpose. Are you joking? He talks all the fucking time. <laughs> I, I think that if you consider the amount of... Di often um, in between chapters, there'll be like one or two comic panels and that's it. Uh, so when you consider that a lot of the story has to be completely summed up with one guy saying six to seven lines of dialogue, I would say it's on the side of the minimalistic. I don't think so. I think there's lots of things to interact with throughout the levels that he always points out. You know, he's like, the phone suddenly rang. And, you know, to indicate to the player that, you know, there's something to interact with. Stuff like that. Sure. It's, it, it's not that he only... Sorry, it's hard to explain. It's not that he doesn't just 
uh, say nothing. He obviously speaks a lot over the course of the story. It's more that a lot is said with not many words being spoken. Right, sure. Um, there's there's a lot implied in what he's saying. There's a lot of the story. You, you don't, you know, there aren't big codexes of information about the various characters and their designs. It's minimalistic storytelling in that sense. There's a lot that's implicit and a lot that's, uh, you know, reading between the lines with the way he poetically talks about. Yeah, okay, I can agree with that. And then in stark contrast to Max's really serious, brilliant voice acting, um, I think uh, the other kind of bucket that the voice acting falls into are these really uh, cheesy New York gangster accents that are the enemies always talking in. You know, every time you enter a room, there's this guy going, It's pain! Or you often find a bunch of characters conversing on their lonesome about these really uh, self-aware topics. You know, you find these two cheesy dudes talking about the benefits of bullet time at one point later into the game, and I thought that they added a bit of comic relief, which I quite enjoyed. Yeah, there's a bit where um, there's two guys uh, and they're at a panel with a bomb, and they're talking about what wire they should cut, and of course they cut the wrong wire. <laughs> and it explodes. Yeah, there's the aforementioned one where they're both having a conversation about movies. And yeah, their voice acting sucks. It's it's really bad. It it's particularly bad just because of how good Max Payne's voice acting is. And yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to the whoever it is that plays Woden. He's got this deep, mysterious voice, and he's one of your mysterious helpers over the course of the game that you only meet very, very late. And um, I think he does a good job as well. But really, it's Max Payne and Woden and then a bunch of trash. A bunch of trash that for me is so bad it's good, let's be honest. I'll give you a few examples of it right now, so. Vinny got needy, just the man I've been killing to see. Pain? Freaking fat! I knew from day one there was something screwy about you. What do you think you're doing? You're a freaking cop. You ain't got squat on us. You can't just come in here waving your peace like it meant something. Yeah! Oh my god! Oh god, you shot me! Ah! You're dead, Pain! What the hell are you waiting for, you apes? Kill him! Kill him! With pleasure, boss! Gagnini bailed. I made like Chariot fat. As you can see, they're not, you know, the highest paid voice actors in the world for good reason, but I do think they add a good layering of cheese to this already, like, cheesy noir story. Oh, yeah, and um, there's the guy who's Russian, who's very clearly an American attempting to put on a Russian accent. To do a bad Russian accent, yeah. To the best of his ability. <laughs> the guy who drives a car with the license plate vodka. I know, that was so good when I saw that for the first time. It was so funny, yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why does your license plate say vodka? Oh, so we know they're Russian. How else yeah. are we meant to know? How else are we meant to know they're Russian? Um, this bad Russian accent, that's how. Yeah, the voice acting ranges from excellent to so bad it's good, and I, you know, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, just thank God Max Payne does narrate the entire game, because, yeah, like I said, if, if the... If the dialogue was shared equally between all the characters, I'd have a very different evaluation. Just before we give our conclusions, because I think we're reaching the end somewhat, I've just got a few little things that I wanted to talk about that I thought made the game just that little bit better for me. As we mentioned, this game is one that you quite often save scum to get through. 
Um, and I think we both felt that a little bit. Um, from using the save and the load so often, there was this like this tiny detail, which was when you hit load, the game actually prompts you to hit the load button a second time before you load the game. And I really appreciate that, um, especially when we were playing through Mega Man if, like a month ago or so. Um, I would often accidentally hit the load button and lose all my progress for about 20 minutes. And that little, like, safety valve there is something that I'm really surprised more games on PC don't do, and I really appreciated that. That is an excellent point. Um, it's funny, nowadays my preference is for games to not have quick save and quick load. There's yes. a long time when I thought that it was the far superior method, but I've realized that um, giving players that sort of total control over saving and loading is problematic. Playing this game without quick saving and quick loading is not a good idea. And um, yeah, if you're going to play a game with quick saving and quick loading, even if they are on F5 and F9, having a confirmation thing is uh, is better. I have played games where quick save and quick load have been on like F5 and F6. And oh let me God. tell you, that is a dangerous game to be playing. <laughs> I've got a funny story for you about the quick save. So... We mentioned before that there was that really enjoyable section where you get to walk on those narrow planks. Mm -hmm. So um, you can um, so I'm just I haven't made you know a manual save throughout the entire game. Can you imagine how I felt when I fell off the bridge and was like, oh, I fell off the bridge, I'll load, and I hit quick save while I was falling to my death? <laughs> I was absolutely terrified that I'd bricked my save file, but luckily. The quick save in this game makes like four or five at the same time. So if that happens, you can just load one of the earlier quick saves. I think that the game does a good job of not letting you, uh, you know, ruin ruin your enjoyment through a being an idiot like I almost did. Yeah, that's interesting. I know in games like Halo, their checkpointing system, the way it works is that if it's loaded you into a checkpointing situation that kills you, and you die four or five times in a row um, right at the start of that checkpoint, it just reverts to the previous one. So um, it sounds like it's a similar thing in practice. And once again, it's a good idea. It's uh, these safety valves that are in place. Final thing that I wanted to ask you about is, when you exited the game, did you do it through the menus? I did, yes. Max Payne's quit menu is probably the best in any game I've ever seen. Um, when you go to quit and it comes up with a confirmation, it doesn't ask, are you sure you want to quit? It does it in a very Max Payne style. Like, the confirmation dialogue is, the Valkyr case was anything but closed. And it's like, the yes is, but I was too tired to go on. And the no is, I couldn't stop, I had to push on. The confirmation dialogue in your answer makes a, a very Max Payne quote, which I, I really thought was a nice touch. Yeah, it's a long-standing tradition in these PC games, going right back to um, maybe even Wolfenstein. I know for a fact Doom has it, and I know Quake has it. Wolfenstein might have it as well, where, it, you know, when you press yes to quit, it's because the demon hordes of hell are too strong. And yeah, the, the way it's implemented in Max Payne is fun. It's a fun little detail. So the one thing I wanted to ask you was, there's a quite a cool Easter egg in this game uh, called The War Against the Rats. Did, did you find this or hear about this? I have no idea what you're talking so, about. So very early on in the first mission, there's a point where a guy throws a grenade at you. If you're really quick and run up the stairs and kill him before he throws a grenade, you pick up a grenade from his body. You can throw it in a hole where there are some rats, and then there's a segment where you're fighting rats holding guns. 
What? <laughs> yeah, right. And the best thing is, it's right at the start of the game. So you can go check that out right now. And it goes in perfectly with uh, all the other Easter eggs. My other favorite one was the reference to Pulp Fiction, which which I know you haven't seen, James, but maybe some of our listeners will. There's a point in the Pulp Fiction movie where there's a character on the toilet and he leaves his gun on the bench because he's waiting for a guy to come so he can kill him. But uh, he catches him when he's on the toilet and done, doesn't have his gun. And that exact same thing happens in Max Payne. You walk in and there's an Ingram, uh, the Uzi, lying on the bench. And the guy comes out of the toilet and you shoot him. So I thought that was quite a cool little nod to uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I just expected there to be a dude hiding in the toilet, to be honest. I didn't think uh, anything much (laughs) of that. So so I like those little details. Yeah, this game's got a lot of them. And I think it does, you know, a pretty good job of giving you things to be entertained by that aren't the, uh, the puddle shallow combat. So, yeah, I guess that brings us to our final thoughts on the game. Absolutely. Right? Um, so this is, yeah, so this is your game. So I'll let you go first. How do you, how do you feel about Max Payne? Do you, do you recommend this game to everyone or just a few people or not at all? I do recommend Max Payne. Um, I think that the story for a video game is genuinely one of the best. And that's partly my own biases speaking because I have such a love for these modern crime and gangster films. And Max Payne has exactly the same love for it. And it's a it's a lovingly rendered homage. I love the amount of self-irony and awareness of what it is. Uh, it's not just a cheesy one-note thing. He's, a, you know, they're knowingly aware that it was uh, that it was a loving homage, and it, it's very playful with those concepts. I think the gameplay is mediocre. It's not unbearable uh, to the point where I hated it, but it's very unremarkable. And those platforming sequences are genuinely awful. So. Uh, I guess if you have a particular hatred for shooters, then maybe you can't overcome the mediocre gameplay. But really, the story is wonderful, and I think that it's worth playing on that basis alone. I uh, do recommend Max Payne. You should check it out um, and enjoy enjoy the ride. Yeah, I'm mostly of the same opinion that this game is worth playing. In terms of the story, story, I actually don't think the overarching story is very good. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty generic, honestly. But the moment-to-moment dialogue in this game is absolutely, you know, some of the best I've ever seen in a game. It's very entertaining, very quippy, very poetic in ways, and the absolute consistent, crushing, bleak theming that they get going on is fantastic, and it ties in with the excellent delivery of all the lines um don't go into this game expecting to enjoy the overall story enjoy it for the moment to the moment lines you know every piece of dialogue is just oozing with personality and i absolutely loved that as you said the gameplay is kind of whatever i do enjoy the run and gun style you know it's fun but it's not anything amazing i wouldn't recommend this game for the gameplay, but I would absolutely recommend it for the dialogue and, you know, the absolute cheesy insanity of the whole thing. There is no game in my memory that pulls off this interesting mix of bleakness and cheesiness at the same time, and it does it so deftly in such an entertaining way. The photorealistic face textures and the stupid faces in the graphic novel, combined with that really bleak, droning narration, it just makes it completely one of a kind, in my opinion. I think people should absolutely check it out. I, I should just clarify that when I say story, I am also referring to the dialogue and everything. The overall plot is, as James said, fairly straightforward, but 
all of the story put together, which includes the dialogue and the script and all that, I think is excellent. And uh, that brings us to the end. Uh, so now it's time for our usual plugging. Um, we are the Retrospectives podcast hosted by Patrick Arthur and James Turlings. You can find us at rspodcast.net where we host all of our casts uh, and articles on each episode. Uh, or you can find us wherever you normally listen to podcasts, whether that's Spotify or Apple or Stitcher or anywhere else. Our Twitter tag is at R-E-T podcast. And if you can give us a follow, we would greatly appreciate it. So, James, what are we doing next week? Another obscure shitty game or a good game? Um, I'd argue that this game's pretty well known. Um, next fortnight, we'll be playing Kirby Nightmare in Dreamland, a remake of the original Kirby's Adventure. And this game is a Game Boy Advance title. Have you ever played a Kirby game before, Patrick? I have never played a Kirby game in my life. The only knowledge I have of Kirby is from Super Smash. So uh, I'm completely ignorant of it, apart from what the character can do in Smash. Oh, Patrick, whatever are we going to do with you? Well, hopefully we'll have convinced you that it's a good game by the end. Well, hopefully I remember it as being a good game. I played it once through in my childhood and quite enjoyed it. Um, So hopefully, you know, it's held up all these years later. But we'll see next time on the Retrospectives podcast. So from both of us, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye.